Hello and welcome to the Big Happy Life podcast. I'm Natalie Britt and this is day three of the five-day happiness challenge. Five days, five podcasts, five tips that, if implemented, will help make you feel happier. On day one, we talked about fattening up the good, really taking the time to consciously recognize the things in your life that go your way, the moments where you feel good and there's enjoyment to be had if you just pay attention. Then yesterday, we looked at turning down the shark music. And that was all about recognizing how your thoughts can derail you and make things seem either worse than they are or keep you locked in the past and can kind of create this background mood that allows you to lose sight of the moment in front of you, lose productivity, and then begin to judge or mistrust yourself when you face tough things, which ultimately over time erodes your experience of happiness. Yesterday, I also introduced the concept of happiness as a kind of default setting. So rather than being something you add to your life or you do to your life to become happy, we work from the basis that happiness was there in the first place and is still there now if you can move some of the stuff that's in the way out of the way and access it more easily. So today we talk about some of the things that pile up in front of that door. And today's tip is get comfortable with discomfort. In we go. Have you ever been to a really good barbecue or garden party or something in the afternoon, sun shining, it's a beautiful day, you're with friends, you're drinking something you enjoy, you're with people you enjoy spending time with and you're having a great time. The afternoon wears on, the sun sets, and you gradually realize you're really cold. But you're having such a good time and you're laughing so much, so you just ignore it. And you stay sitting outside, enjoying yourself and the company for as long as you possibly can until you absolutely cannot bear that cold anymore. Or somebody else in the party says, oh, I'm freezing, so we go inside. Well, that cold is discomfort. And we have the capacity to weather it without it really even registering as problematic. Yet somehow emotional discomfort is so uncomfortable to most of us that we can't think about anything else. We can't turn away from it. We can't absorb it or go through it. We just have to somehow get away from it, shut it down as fast as possible. I think this difficulty comes from two places. One, we think we're supposed to be happy all the time. And two, we've learned to think in really unhelpful ways about the other emotions. The first problem ties in quite nicely with tomorrow's episode, where we'll be talking about the role of expectations in our happiness. But the truth is, our happiness is actually dependent on our ability to experience the full range of our emotions in productive ways. In other words, in ways that lead to something better, some contribution, growth, learning, change, something. But if you think you're meant to be happy all the time and you're not supposed to feel the other emotions, then when you do feel one of the others, well, that sets the alarm off. And with the alarm comes shark music. And I think both the expectation that we're supposed to be positive and happy all the time and the understanding of other emotions as negative comes a lot from how we're raised and how we learn to understand emotions. For example, if I asked you to list negative emotions, which ones would you say? anger, sadness, regret, guilt, frustration, there'd be quite a few on the list. 
But why are they negative? What makes them negative? Generally, we associate negative with something bad. What makes those emotions bad? Why is it bad to be angry? What's negative about feeling vulnerable or scared? And where did we learn to think that way? That's a big question and not really one that I want to answer here, but I think it has something to do with the fact that the way we behave, certainly when we're younger, in our experience of those emotions is often quite difficult for other people to manage. And so we get taught to shut down those emotions. So if it's, let's say, anger, well, anger leads to shouting or having a tantrum or throwing something, breaking something. Those things are bad. So anger is bad. And somewhere along the line, I think the messages get mixed up. The feeling isn't bad, but the behavior that goes with it is often really unproductive. So if we can separate the two things and we can say, actually, the feeling is fine because the feeling has information within it. And once we can use that information, we can communicate with other people, we can explain what's going on, we can kind of negotiate the terms of how we're going to do things, maybe not when we're five, but certainly as grown-ups, we can do that. But if we never learn how to feel the feeling and use the feeling productively, then we still stay with these kind of quite blunt basic behaviors that don't serve us really well. And that's potentially where those negative or bad labels come from. So if we can strip that away and we can say, yes, the thing is uncomfortable, I don't like feeling this way, but then sit with that discomfort and figure out what needs to happen next. I believe that leads us to manage ourselves, our relationships and our lives much more productively because we learn things about ourselves, we learn things about the situations we're in and we make the necessary changes so that the way we're living and the relationships we have within our lives actually can contribute something more to our happiness. On top of that, if we see these emotions as the brain and body's way of drawing our attention and then instead of fighting it, we give our attention, the likelihood is we would make the necessary changes and do what was required far sooner and therefore we would return to a state of happiness far sooner. But in leaving those emotions unattended because the discomfort is too high, we don't fully return to happiness. We can distract ourselves with pleasurable experiences and things like that, but that kind of underlying equilibrium gets eroded. To use the analogy I've been using for the last couple of days, all of those unexplored emotions and all of the things we've left unattended to because we couldn't face the emotions stack up in front of the door to our happiness. And when it happens for long enough, we can't see the door anymore. And so that's what today's tip is all about. Experiencing the discomfort of handling the emotion productively so that ultimately it doesn't become something that sits in front of the door to your happiness. It just becomes something you felt and you dealt with. And either way, the experiences collect to form the story we have of ourselves. Each one of us has the story of me. And how we handle these experiences goes a long way to determining whether that story is one we are happy with or not. So as you can see, it's really important that we learn how to do this. Which begs the question, what is it that we need to do? What are the habits we need to employ in order to manage our emotions productively? Well, according to Dr. Joan Rosenberg, who wrote a book called 90 Seconds to Live a Life You Love, the waves of emotion we experience only actually last for about 90 seconds, and the majority of the discomfort that we have to weather is physical. 
Now I won't get into the mechanics of that here, but I did a mini series on emotions just at the end of season two, where I talked about some of the mechanics of emotions and the physical sensations that you experience alongside them. So if you'd like to revisit those episodes, the links will be in the show notes page for today's episode. You can find that at bighappylife.co.uk and also on the Facebook page, which is Big Happy Life page. So in the book, Dr. Rosenberg talks about the Rosenberg Reset. And within that lies the habits that will allow us to get comfortable with discomfort. The first is to make the choice to feel it. In much the same way as you make the choice to sit outside after your cold, you make the choice to stay with the feeling. And just like with the shark music, you put yourself in the position of observer. Notice what's happening in your body. Notice what's happening in your mind. If it helps to, write that stuff down. As you've probably gathered, I quite like to talk. So sometimes I will just record voice notes for myself or I'll make a video or something like that. It's not really so much about the form it takes. It's more about kind of giving structure to your experience and having a way to capture your observations. Another habit you can employ that will help you make your way through those emotions is the breathing that I spoke about yesterday. Like I said, I use box breathing. I also use meditation. If you can find anything that will allow you to place your attention in your body rather than in your mind, that will help you, particularly if your mind is full of shark music. Then going in there, this is often a mistake we make when we say, okay, I'm gonna just feel this emotion. What we actually end up doing is we go around in the shark music and we kind of stay there with the shark music playing on loop round and round and round. And then we completely freak ourselves out and we get the illusion that actually this emotion is too big for me. I'm not capable of managing this. I'm just so overwhelmed. Whereas if your attention is in your body and you know that because you are experiencing an uncomfortable emotion, it's meant to feel uncomfortable. You take the role of observer and you notice how that discomfort is manifesting in this particular situation. So you put all that together and you've got a choice to feel the emotion, position yourself as the observer and notice what's happening in your body and then calm your system by focusing on taking slow, rhythmic, deep breaths. Doing those things together helps you navigate the initial discomfort of the emotion. The reason it's important to kind of stop and let your system recalibrate when you experience these emotions is that usually to take the kind of productive action that's required when you experience these emotions, you need your thinking brain online. And when you are in the throes of big emotions, your thinking brain is pretty much offline. So decisions about your behavior are being taken from an emotional part of your brain, a part of your brain that at this point is kind of agitated, inflamed, and leads you towards those unproductive behaviors we spoke about earlier. In order to get the thinking brain back online, your brain and your body have to believe you are safe. And that's why we slow down first. And once you're in that state, you're ready for the final habit, which links to the previous two. Again, it's a habit we've spoken about in previous days, and it involves bringing your attention to the present moment. It also links to yesterday, where we spoke about shark music, and you notice that when you experience uncomfortable emotions, your thoughts will almost always jump to the past or the future. And that's often what keeps the loops going for as long as they keep going. And that's another reason to bring your attention to your breath and your body first. 
because those two acts also anchor you in the present moment and then you can turn your attention to what's required of you right now. For example, if you're angry, what needs to happen? Does the change need to happen within you or do you need to influentially have a conversation with somebody else and how will you go about doing that? Or what if you're experiencing powerlessness? Where is that feeling coming from and what needs to happen to change it? Are you powerless because of the shark music or are you actually literally powerless in that moment? And if so, what change needs to happen within you to allow you to feel stronger? So moving through the emotion requires you to feel it, to accept its presence and to work through it as productively as you can, absorbing its lessons, accepting what it's showing you about yourself, about the situation you're in and rather than numbing it out or pretending it doesn't exist or replacing it with some other emotion, covering up powerlessness with anger or vulnerability with ambivalence, you feel it and you figure out what you need to do with it. So today, at any point, if you experience an uncomfortable emotion, one that you perhaps in the past would have called a negative emotion, see if you can employ any of these habits. First, choose to feel it. Feel the strength in yourself as you go into that, knowing that you are in charge of this experience and that you are choosing to stay in the discomfort because it has something valuable to offer you. Bring your attention to your breath and or your body. Notice how the feeling shows itself in those areas. If possible, keep a record of your experience and then figure out what you need to do productively in that moment with whatever the experience has shown you. The more often we enter our uncomfortable experiences this way, the more productive they become and the less they pile up in front of our happiness because they don't become moments that we judge ourselves negatively for. They become moments in our past that show us we are strong and capable, resilient, and that we can do these things. And once again, that makes them way less. It makes them easier to carry. And so they don't strip away happiness but rather just become another set of experiences in the array of experiences we have in our life. Of course, I'm aware that all of this is very simple in theory, but is not easy in practice. Not least because taking productive action and doing something decisive with what you feel requires a set of skills that often have to be honed and developed. So if you're trying to be influential, you're trying to communicate a point, there may be some skill development required in order to do that successfully in that particular relationship. But if you can manage the discomfort of the emotions, those skills are actually quite easy to learn. As always, if you have comments or questions about how to implement these habits in your own life, please do get in touch via the show notes page. You can find that on bighappylife.co.uk or visit the Facebook page, Big Happy Life page. Comments or questions in either of those areas put you in the running to win that coaching session with me worth £75. And in that session, we can delve more deeply into whatever those experiences are for you and figure out what you want to do with them. I look forward to welcoming you back for day four when we'll be talking about the link between expectations and happiness. But for now, thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.